I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Well, let's start with this. Um, can, first of all, congratulations, Dad. <laughs> Father. Who's the fucking daddy? Daddy. Who's the daddy? I'll always be the daddy, but well, I, but now <laughs> I'm the daddy and the uncle. Ooh, I know you always wanted to be uncle. <laughs> I, I've always been uncle. Uh, folks, uh, last uh, this Monday, we released an episode. If you didn't listen to it, Taylor is pregnant. I guess Taylor's partner Kyle is pregnant, but it makes him just as pregnant as how do, her. How do we feel? How do we feel about? How do we feel about partners that go? I'm we're, pregnant. We're, we're, we're pregnant. We're, we're pregnant. I mean, you, how, do we, how do we feel about that? I, I feel it's nice. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, th- I think that should be the way it is. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just going. I'm just I think po- that posing, positing I, the question. Yeah, I think physically, Kyla is going to be putting out uh, uh, way more effort than you. Well, I mean, that's not fair. Uh, she is. Uh, there's there, dude, there is a there is going to be a human coming out of her vagina and it is or belly or like or belly the c-section or butt i mean that's not to say that I i'm not gonna go through works. trials and tribulations of my own no, nobody said that no one said that i'm saying she's gonna go through more physically. that's what i'm hearing <laughs> she's gonna go through more physically but you are both pregnant you're both going through this together and uh, and you're both you're both pregnant, but she's technically pregnant. She's just more. She's more pregnant. She's more. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She yeah. shows more than you. Yeah, at least right now. So I, far, yeah. I I try to. Um, I've been doing this thing to. It's like a solidarity thing, um, where I will um, get the urge to have a bowel movement. I came in here earlier today, mm-hmm. and I I could hear you in the bathroom. But but I'll but I'm I'm there yeah. I'm there. It's like um. It's like kind of like Nicorette. That, that for me is kind of like chewing Nicorette because I'll actually, I'll actually um, put, I'll actually try to keep it in and not have the bowel movement. And I've been doing that for several days. And all, I'm on top of that, also eating like an absurd amount to try and get my abdomen to distend. Are you, are you, are you um, kind of like tempting yourself though? Because when I came into the office earlier, I walked past the bathroom and. Though the door was closed and I couldn't see inside or tell exactly what you were doing, by the way it sounded, it sounded you like did, you, you were, were going, low. <laughs> you were doing your, that was that was your breathing pattern because I called Jer over and we were both listening on the door. But it sounded just by the way that it sounded, it sounded like you were positioned on your back on the floor, mm-hmm. perhaps with your your legs lifted because every once in a while I heard a, your feet tapping mm-hmm. the ground mm-hmm. and I I felt like was that you, you that were, brought the stirrups in to the to the bathroom that was me but I that's yes, my I that's, hanging there. The, the feet hitting the ground is a is the is the trigger for me to go no I no. thought so because you were saying no yeah. yeah you're mumbling it like Weird. under your mm-hmm. breath as you were and doing so it. and so through this whole process so I hold it mm-hmm. in I don't have a bowel movement I haven't had a bowel movement for weeks now 
and 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 then and I eat aggressively, and and what that does is it and then starts to shape my my abdomen in the same way that Kyla's belly is starting to shape with the with the ongoing pregnancy. So then, that's right. So then her and I kind of share like as she grows, I grow. And it's a, Ooh. it's a salt, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship building exercise yeah. that we've been trying to how does solidarity. How does the, she feel? The, you're putting the, you're putting the caps it. on solid there. So it's yeah. your guts solid. It's solid. It's, she appreciates it's, it's, it. It's, 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 it's stretched and hard like uh, the belly of a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we announced in on Monday that uh, you guys are pregnant with an episode that we talked to you and Kyla. You guys went through IVF. Fascinating conversation, really lovely, beautiful for Kyla to come in here. Such a great conversationalist. She should have her own podcast for Christ's sakes. Um, but I love our listeners. I love our community. And when we put the post on social media, um, uh, Hillary, one of our listeners, had commented on the Instagram post. Um, and Hillary had commented specifically, she said uh, she 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 just added someone uh, and she added someone named Britt and Britt's response to Hillary's at on this post was, let me know if anyone wants to hear about the Easter eggs I caught leading up to this amazing news. As soon as I saw that, I was all over that. So of course we reached out to them. We were like, yo, give us the, give us the deets. Spill the tea. And spill it. I have an email from Britt. And I think you're going to find this very interesting. Uh, Taylor, you haven't seen this. So, Britt, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being... We love sleuthing. As you could hear from our last episode, Feel Good Friday, we are going to try to sleuth to find out who out there has bought a body off the, the, through the black body, black market trade yeah. in order to fuck the body. Mm. Right, I've so personally been... Stay tuned. I've personally been sleuthing three decades old cold case files. Yep. So we love, we love a good sleuth and Brit is the ultimate sleuth Mm -hmm. for sick boy. She says, Hey guys, firstly, day one listener and huge sick boy fan. Love you guys and all you do. Thanks for the hundreds of lols while I'm driving, walking, cleaning, etc. Thank you, Britt. Britt sounds awesome, by the way. This whole email is great. Uh, next, huge congrats to Taylor and Kyla on your super exciting news. Cannot wait to hear more about your journey as a parent. You're going to raise an amazing human. Uh, we'll see. Kyla definitely will. But, um, <laughs> and we really need more of, this, of those in the world. Okay. Uh, all right. Now to the T. Okay. So I've been using my detective skills. And I have had such, uh, I've had a hunch that this news was coming for a while now. I think Hillary has already sent you my screenshots, which Hillary did in our DMs. We have screenshots of the text conversations between the two friends. They were texting back and forth. About About this for weeks. Wow. Yes. Like months. Wow. Um, I've already sent you the screenshots, but Brian requested an email, so I figured I'd send it uh, here too (laughs) if you want to see. Without further ado, here are the Easter eggs I heard that he had my ears perking up. Now, we, we also for, want to know if, if you knew, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, well, I knew too, yeah. send us a letter. Show letters us. at sickboypodcast.com. Yeah. Though I doubt you were as good as Brit. Show the evidence. Or leave us a comment. We, I mean, YouTube we've got video. some evidence. Show us your sleuth trail. Yeah. So I, I want to say this. I want to put this out there. We've known that you guys have been trying for, what now? Like well over a year. Yeah, it was... <clears throat> summer 2020 and we've known that you guys spring 2020 were pregnant for how long uh 
June, June, early June, no, early July. Okay, so it's been months that we've known. Yeah, five months. And maybe? of course, Brian and I are are holding in this secret since the summer. Mm-hmm. Wait, because we knew eventually there's going to be one day that we were going to announce it to the listeners. And so obviously, there have been times where things have been said on the podcast that that lead towards us kind of hinting at the idea that you're pregnant. I, I didn't pick up on any of it. Like if you would have asked me if we'd ever like sort of gave it away, oh, was, I didn't think of any of now, it. Now, as soon as Brit had, as soon as we saw these comments, I went, I know exactly what she's referring to. So here are the Easter eggs. Number one, a few months ago on an episode, Taylor said, quote, the biggest thing I did this year is actually something I can't talk about yet. <laughs> Instantly, she was like, hmm, with the eyes emoji. <laughs> what else could it be? Like, like I went bungee jumping, but could I have been can't the, talk about could it. Could have been the pro cycling contract that I signed. Yeah, could, yeah, yeah maybe, could have been that maybe. for the upcoming 2022 season. Uh, number two, yeah, I guess. <laughs> in another episode, Jeremy and Brian say, Taylor, I think you had something you wanted to say too, right? Didn't you have something you wanted to share? And there's a pause and Taylor kind of hums and haws. And then just says like, oh, yeah, if you want to get in touch, you can send us a letter at Sick Boy Podcast. Blah, blah, I blah. think I think that part was us actually being like, Taylor, you're, this is where you say letters at sickboypodcast.com. Yeah, cause some, cause sometimes and I that's get why we were like, Taylor, sure. don't you have something you want to yeah, say? Yeah. Like the sometimes thing you I say drift. at the end of yeah. Sometimes I drift. Yeah, because you got that baby brain. Now yeah. that, left, that left me <laughs> hanging on the edge of my seat, but I didn't give up. Now, here's what's funny. In the text combo um, that I did, I, I was thinking about prepping to bring up here, but I kind of wanted to like, just, uh, I didn't want to like. I mean, they do it on memes all the time. Yeah, I just, I just thought it was a little bit too personal. But, yeah. but you, you can see the messages are like from months ago, where, where, um, Hillary and Brit, where Hillary yeah. is like, where Brit's like, yo, I think Taylor's pregnant, and and Hillary's like, no, come on. She's like, yeah, did you hear this week's episode? So, <laughs> so, so anyway, they're having this fucking conversation. <laughs> Number three, later in a recent episode, Taylor said something silly, and the guest said. Oh, you should definitely become a, become a father because that was a great dad joke. And Taylor didn't comment, but Jeremy was like, ha ha ha, well, <laughs> and then just went on the story he was telling. When you hear it now in hindsight, it's like, yeah, yeah. those are very obvious. And then number four, <laughs> uh, next, this one had me pretty much certain because what man knows this except a man on a mission talking to their guest about periods and birth control. Taylor, quote, well, I've learned from a partner I've learned from my partner who seems to know a lot about the topic that it might take a little while to get pregnant after going off birth control, like maybe six months or so to get your body uh, kind of back on track. And then the fateful day arrived. That is certainly something I learned through the process. And then the fateful day arrived when the news broke Friday and I rejoiced in my car on my drive home from work. I know it for Taylor because he's going to be a dad, but also for me because I am beginning my new career path as a detective (laughs) <laughs> uh, sorry this was long but you asked for it all the best from Sussex New Brunswick hold on take care guys actual Brit. detective I mean I think she should definitely become a PI yeah, yeah. why or, not or a police detective is that what she's saying she's saying I think I'm, she's gonna she's I think she or she's sleuthing she's becoming a, no, no, slu- I think a full-time she, sleuth no she she so and then I reached out and said this is amazing thank you for saying this um, and congratulations on your new career and she said no I, I literally just quit my job and I'm I'm now applying to be a PI Oh, because of this. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes yep. people just need a little push. You I know? mean, you put that on the resume and how are they going to, it's undeniable. Talk, talk about being like a yeah. naturally gifted, you know, born 
private eye. Yeah. Right? Like, have you guys ever it watched? Makes uh, sense. You ever watch Bored to Death? No. Jason Schwartzman. Oh, no. yeah. And uh, Zach Galifianakis. He's a he's a struggling he's a struggling uh, private eye, uh, uh, a novelist by day, and a, uh, a, a, a a a a super addicted to getting stoned and being a private eye at night. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Ted Danson. It's a very right. interesting show. Um, yeah. So thank you, Britt. Thank you, Hillary. That that honestly made my week. That was so fun to read. And uh, thanks for sending those screenshots of the the conversations with the proof that our listeners are the ultimate sleuths, <laughs> even though. I know there's another podcast here out of uh, Halifax that thinks that they have the better sleuths uh, in their listenership, but uh, I think we truly are. And we don't even need to name nope. names. Um, so uh, with that, let's move right along. Uh, guys, I got some... I got, this is this popped up on my, my Insta feed. Um, I don't remember the, the account. I should, I should track it down because the, this account has fed me several things that's come up on the show now. Um, it's a scientific, it's a science-based account. I'll find it and bring it up on the next episode, but... Openly gay animals? Uh, no, it's not that. <laughs> I love that. So Instagram good. Again. Uh, it's, so this is all about... Um, or here, before I say what it's about, watch this and tell me what you think you're looking at. Do you have any idea what it is that we're looking at right now? I know exactly what that is. What is, is it? it? A, it's a, uh, a robot surgeon. Okay. What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> I was going to say something like a like a uh, like a crab larvae. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of deal yeah. in like a in like on a like a very very small scale i mean it clearly was a small scale there so yeah you could see the 100 or 50 um which is, um, which is micro unit uh, micro milli, micrometer i think it's mic micro no it's a micrometer and so a micrometer uh 100 micrometers is point uh, 0.1 millimeter so so obviously very 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 small so uh, one thousand. Uh, I think it's a micrometer. I literally watched a. a it is a, micrometer. I think it's yeah, a, yeah. I think it's right. I think it's a micron. I watched a video on the science of small distances last night. Science of science of small distances. Yep. That's last night, where'd you see it? YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it is a. It is a micrometer. So one micrometer is zero point zero zero one millimeter. What's a mi- What's a micron? Um. A uh, micron. S- the symbols probably look the same anyway. A micron <laughs> is a, a technology company. Micron Technology Incorporated. Oh, I know what micron. I know micron is a semiconductor company. Duh. I'm in. The, I'm in finance. I get it. A micron unit is a. Uh, it's also, it's also known a as a micron. Yeah. Okay. So same thing. Yep. So 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 science of small distances, guys. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It is. It actually is really crazy. So the so bro science of small. One hundred microns is point. One millimeter. Okay. Yeah. Very, very small. Um, now, what you were looking at there are nanobots. Yeah, fuck oh, yeah. Researchers Brian. have made these micro robots that are guided with magnets to cancer cells 
where a pH change triggers them to have their shape and release to change their shape and release a wow. chemotherapy drug. Wow. Okay. So, so it's like way more targeted than anything that we have. Yes. It's just going and getting the cancer cells. Radiation. So because tumors or, exist in acidic yeah. microenvironments, uh, this team that made this decided to make their micro robots change shape in response to lower, uh, lower, lowered pH. Okay. So here, check, uh, here are the different types of... Um, You're not going to play that song again. I no, no, no. Burst my eardrums. Here are different <laughs> types of micro-robots that they've created. They made shape-morphing micro-robots that look like a fish, crab, or butterfly. Then they placed the micro-robots in a suspension of iron oxide nanoparticles to make them magnetic. Guys, so, this is literally the plot line to the new Bond movie. <laughs> is it actually? Yeah. I mean, there, there's like a, there's like a, the, 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 the result of them being in your body is different. It's not to treat cancer, but same. So Mike, yeah, I mean, micro robots are, uh, nanobots are like, there, you know how there's like, um, existential, existential, um, science at, you know, surrounding, whether it be, um, you know, when it comes to like science, like f- physics, like, uh, the, the idea that, you know, maybe a black hole could be created by, but through the Hadron Collider or, you know, these things that could yeah, end yeah, civilization. Yeah. Well, there's a whole uh, series of study based around the, the existential crisis that nanobots could pose oh, to humans. That but, sounds like the Bond yeah, movie yeah, yeah. plot. Which are, I mean, we should definitely just, I'm going to, oh, I don't have my phone. I need to write down that we need to get a guest to talk about nanobots. Yes, for but sure. What, do you, what, do you, what, are the, what are some of the arguments? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, yeah. So, uh, the end of the world podcast with, uh, Josh Clark, uh, goes into, there's a whole episode about it. Um, but essentially, you know, the future of nanobots could totally alter the human race for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's this thing called like the, like, it's called like the gray goo concept, which is like these, <laughs> these microbots that, that can like, um, can duplicate themselves and they can essentially become this like mass that is uncontrollable and would basically like take over the whole planet. It's a whole fucking thing, mm. but maybe we'll get someone on to talk about it. But when it comes to these microbots, these were, these were made by researchers who 4d printed these microbots. Wait, hold on. What's the fourth dimension? So 4d printing is where you 3d print something and the fourth dimension, the, the 4d is that the shape of the thing changes based on external stimuli. So what's happening here, what we saw, are these, these are micro-robots that have a certain shape, and then, based on their environment, will change shape. And in this case, they change shape based on the pH because these tumors exist in this acidic environment, and the pH difference between where it is where the tumor isn't and where the tumor is has an effect on the shape of the microbody. That's a, that's a lot more boring than I thought the 4D would have been because I, th- I would have thought that well, while you were controlling them, they like water is sprayed on your face or your feet are tickled or something like that. Like, have you guys ever been to a 40 movie? And like, I know you have. Right? I know you have. Right? <laughs> um, so the other thing is that how can you tell? <laughs> the other thing, if you didn't pick that up, there is that what they the way they controlled them is that they made them magnetic. So they took these little microbots, they 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 soaked them in iron oxi- uh, oxide nanoparticles, 
And then when they insert them into the body, they can then control where it goes using magnets. I could tell exa- I could Crazy. I could tell exactly how that worked right from when you showed the first video because have you guys ever taken a magnet and put it underneath a desk and put another magnet on top and dragged it around? Yeah, it's like the it's yeah. like when it, actually when I used to go to the hospital at the IWK, they had this my favorite like toy in the waiting room was a little um I mean, that's what Natchez sketch is. A little like highway system with cars and then you would take magnets and the mag the cars had magnets on the bottom and you would guide the cars with a magnet on the bottom of the table. It was really fun. Yeah. Cause if you bring up that first video again, you can see actually don't because of the, the music. But no, no, you, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can see the way that it's being drug along. Like it just looks exactly like the magnet pulling it. So check it out. Here's a, here's another video about how these things work. Researchers used magnets and pH changes to make the micro robots perform different tasks. So this is the crab. For example, the crab gripped a microparticle. The crab grabs a microparticle and, and brings it, it somewhere else and See then it lets moving? it go. <laughs> a fish-shaped micro-robot had an adjustable mouth that opened and closed, allowing the team to load the fish's mouth with a chemotherapy drug. So when the pH changes, they the mouth the opens. Fish through artificial blood vessels to reach cancer See? cells at a specific region of a Petri dish. Wow. When they lowered the pH of the surrounding solution, making it more acidic, the fish opened its mouth to release a chemotherapy drug, shown here in red, which killed the cells closest to the fish. Wow. How fucking wild is that? Isn't that cool? Did they say anything about microchips in nanobots that are being put into vaccines? Or uh, Not yet, but I mean, okay. that's but that coming. Would be a, that's, uh, that everyone, would be a likely everyone application. Everyone knows that that's right. what's happening. Now, although this study is a, a pro- promising proof of concept, the microbots need to be made even smaller to navigate actual blood vessels um, and a suitable imaging method needs to be identified to track their movements in the body. But huge step forward in the potential future treatment of something like cancer. See, what's interesting is now going back to <laughs> going back to the, <clears throat> the video that I was watching yesterday, the science of small distances, it was talking about how as you, as you, as you manufacture things that are smaller and smaller and smaller, the tolerances, like the 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 the, ver- the potential variation between what you want it to be and what it actually ends up being. So, like you might say, "Oh, we want this to be fifty microns wide, plus or minus two microns." So, it, 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 you know, because there's not perfection in the tools that you use to manufacture it. That Ooh. that so. As you get smaller and smaller, at one point, it's like, oh, you know, the machines are having imperfection. So, you know, there's a variation in, in what you can do. But then as you go smaller and smaller and smaller, it's like the heat of the the heat of the tool that is producing the thing has an effect on how the thing actually ends up being. Because then once it's not being machined anymore to to be what it is then it cools and it gets smaller yeah. or heat's applied to it it was saying that a a micron a micron um of aluminum in your hand so you have a micron of a micron of aluminum on the table if you put that in your hand it will be it'll be 50% bigger in your hand by the body heat that your hand produces whoa so like the smaller you go the more like all these environmental factors have and of course, you put um, it inside a human body. It's human right. Heat so you'd there. have to account for like all of these potential wow. changes. Wow. And and know that well, when we do this, it's going to get hotter, so it's going to get bigger, or it's going it's to be colder. And 
I mean, ultimately they talked about like engine, this is beside the point now, but they talked about engine parts and how engine parts have to be super precise, but they also have to be like mm. left overnight in Saskatchewan when it's minus 40 in the winter. And then they're going to be a hundred degrees the next I day. I believe when it's you're driving uh, around. Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. You, sorry. You, my bad. You you, my idiot. bad. Do you guys think wow. that uh, uh, nanobots is a bit of a misnomer because it's not like, like the technology would be, it's pretty basic and it's not really like, it's not like a robot inside of you. It's just kind of like a like distribution Yes. Yeah. Well, I it's mean, not I, nanobot I, like you think of it in the sci-fi way. Because then it, but then that, but, but, like, that kind of trips though. people. That's out. the thing is, we are getting, we're going to get to that point. We will yeah. get to a point where that is how it works. Yeah, I wonder well, how yeah, soon probably. that will be though, because I think of like how small you could possibly make. I a think computer. sooner than you than you imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. but have you seen the the um, Derek nanotechnology Derek is, phone? is like is <laughs> fucking flying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, like look at your fucking iPhone. You right, know? Are they like, making motherboards that small? I think that's uh, yeah. I think we're like on the cusp of that. Like, I think the I think the um, I mean I the threshold. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> the that's issue, but, but I'm pretty sure. I think the issue ends up being the thing that we were just talking about, like having machines and tools that can account for all these the variables factors, yeah. and mm. and make something that small that isn't going to be fifty percent bigger. Or if it is, then the thing that it's in, in also has to grow along with yeah. it at the same rate and like. The challenge of um, kind of like what's the thing that about the aliens, the uh, Fermi paradox, not the Fermi paradox, but the other the great filter, great filter that it's kind of like you can't into the Fermi pass you right, yeah, but you that you can't like pass through this this like threshold, yeah, right, yeah, and like that's like that's an issue with making things that small. Well, obviously it's difficult. Our fingers are only so big, you know, can't make smaller fingers. Yeah, I mean that's the ultimate issue. Is it not right now? Is the finger Tiny size? Finger finger. Yeah. We're just limited by just our need, finger yeah. sizes. They just need to get a whole bunch of Trumps to start uh, making, yeah. to start to manufacturing <laughs> mic, micron micron tiniest sizes. Hands, tiny, the tiny, tiniest hands. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, speaking of existential crises, uh, this next story uh, touches on that for sure. Um, climate change. Uh, why are disabled people so affected by the climate crisis? This is uh, from a BBC article. So this was a story that we that I had meant to cover in Feel Good Friday, but of course, so many you know we, we get so many things sent to us from our patrons, um, uh, and and you know we're trying to cover so much every week. Um, it, 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 we didn't, we didn't get around to it. I feel, I feel bad because it is very important, but, uh, earlier in this, the month of November, uh, the COP 26 summit was happening. Um, and Israeli minister, uh, Kareen El Harar made headlines around the world, uh, when it emerged that she couldn't attend COP 26 because it wasn't wheelchair accessible. Oh. And, 
I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around yeah. that. So, so she was, she was, um, you know, a, an Israeli representative that was sent to, to be a part of this summit that is focusing on climate change and could not attend because she is in a wheelchair. And this was just like a perfect example of how the, the climate change crisis is poses an issue for all of us, but the way that it poses issues for people living with disabilities is far, far greater. Um, and so this article from the BBC kind of touches on this uh, a little bit. Uh, for many disabled people, it was a reflection on the way they often feel ignored or left out of the conversation about climate change. Yet disabled people are among the most adversely affected in an emergency, according to the United Nations Human Rights Council. And those emergencies, from wildfires to flooding, are likely to become more frequent because of the climate crisis. So, why are disabled people so affected by climate change, and what can we do about it? So, uh, heat stroke and dehydration. In July of 2018, there was a massive heat wave that hit Montreal, and temperatures were really high. They were 35.5 degrees Celsius, and for our American listeners, that's uh, 95.9 degrees Fahrenheit for days on end. Hospitals ended up becoming very busy with people experiencing the effects of heat stroke. Um, and 61 people died as a result. Wow. A quarter of those deaths were people who were living with schizophrenia. Whoa. That's 500, quote, that is 500 times their share of the population, says Professor Sebastian Joden, a climate change specialist from McGill University who has multiple sclerosis and studies the relationship between human rights, disability, and the climate crisis. Should now, have him on the podcast. Well, we are on December 9th. He's going to come in, uh, come into the studio with us and talk about this exact issue. Uh, job, many, many people with schizophrenia take antipsychotic medication to treat their symptoms. It can make patients less tolerable to heat, mm. increasing the risk of heat stroke and severe dehydration, which of course can prove fatal. Uh, Professor Jodan says that the lack of communication between authorities and at-risk communities that, that exacerbates this, these situations. He said, quote, people who live with schizophrenia tend to have less of a social network. They tend to be more poor. These are the underlying effects of how disability will increase vulnerability or endanger vulnerability to climate change. Uh, climate change increases the risk of the hot, dry weather, which is likely to lead to more heat waves and fuel wildfires. A uh, warming atmosphere also makes extreme rainfall and flooding more likely. We're seeing that right now as, you know, a lot of our friends out in British Columbia right now are like fucking stranded oh as highways are literally being decimated due to landslides and flooding. I mean, there's portions of Canada that are literally cut off to the rest of the world because of this flooding. Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Jodan says that what happened in Montreal is just a snapshot of what's to come. Another example, in 2019, California was hit with a series of outages as companies shut down power to prevent wildfires from spreading. Gerald Nimi from Santa Rosa, North, Carol North California, had managed a chronic lung disease for years and relied on o an oxygen ventilator to help him breathe. But when the power outage hit, his ventilator stopped. He and his wife fled their home and desperately searched for a working vent, but failed, and Gerald, uh, Gerald died two days later. 
Energy supplier Pacific Gas and Electric later admitted that it had failed to notify thousands of customers, including hundreds with medical conditions, before shutting off their power. During these wildfires, some disabled Californians had difficulty fleeing their homes. Those who were able to escape found many of the emergency... Those who were able to escape found that many of the emergency centers providing water, bathrooms, and a safe space weren't even accessible. After... um, after a really big uh, Sir David Attenborough documentary highlighted how takeaway containers were littering the seas, there was this massive public outcry to legislation in banning single-use plastic straws. So here's another example of how this affected people with disabilities. That new law included an exemption for those who needed to use plastic straws for medical reasons. Uh, but uh, uh, someone by the name of Mr. Green, Mr. Green says that many disabled people were still adversely affected as they rely on the availability of plastic straws to drink independently. And replacements like metal straws or paper straws are hard, are hard and can cause damage. For instance, someone using, if someone using them, uh, you know, the person using metal straws were to slip or spasm while drinking could hurt themselves. And then paper straws, they tend to collapse this, which is why bendable plastic straws are important for those who can't pick up a cup. Paper straws suck. Yeah. They fucking suck, dude. I mean, it's, it's just a, uh, it's a, first of all, the thing with PG&E is, is brutal. I followed that a lot f- from a bankruptcy perspective because PG&E is a, is a, they are a monopoly on energy in California and they, because they're a monopoly, and this is kind of beside the point, but just as a, it, it ties in obviously because it affected so many people, but <laughs> PG&E is a monopoly on energy in California and because they're a monopoly they they don't take their they don't take very seriously the upgrading of their equipment and their infrastructure because That's why there's so many fires. And there is that they're they they play a role in it because they get they have faulty infrastructure and then a, maybe a, a a hard winds come through in a dry season mm. knock something down sparks a wildfire and then you know millions mm-hmm. of acres of land go up in smoke and PG&E they get to file for bankruptcy wipe out shareholders they come back they're still the same company blah 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 that's a whole financial thing it's bullshit anyway um the thing with plastic straws is it's a way in which because if you were talking about plastic straws you'd be going you know if someone just said plastic straws ban plastic straws you, you, i mean i would be like oh yeah sure ban plastic straws but it just is an example of the way that things it is it is really hard to make something like five percent better, and it's really easy to make something like twenty percent worse. Yeah, because you think you're you think oh I'm going to make this step, and you think about this in like a really linear way, like this equals mm-hmm. that, when really it's more like this plus this plus this minus this divided by that equals this yeah. outcome. This and cascading w- effect that you don't really think about. But it's yeah. more about like educating people in general and not, yeah. and, then, and then giving them the choice like, oh, there are, we have plastic straws available, but, you know, you could take a paper one or you could have yeah. your own metal one. And, you know, the pl- like the plastic one should be reserved for the people who who really need them, but they should still be available. But it, the the thing that I think about is um, you guys know that I'm, I'm doing the uh, I'm the chair of operations for the canoe world championships next year in, in Dartmouth. And part of that includes managing transportation, accommodations and uh, food services, another big part of it. And um, our number one priority is, 
is making everything accessible, but not having an accessible option for everything. It's everything should be equally accessible. So, mm. you know, if there's a, if the athletes are eating food, there's not an accessible food location and a non-accessible one. There's, there's just one that is accessible. But the hardest part about this is that we are limited by, you know, suppliers, by the facilities, by all these things. So we have to, you know, really try hard to accommodate these things because they're not already accommodated into society. Like it's, it becomes so obvious where there are shortfalls. And like, you know, I, I know, you know, I'm thankful that I know quite a bit about this from being able to talk to guests on our podcast. But the, like when you actually go into procuring suppliers or, you know, trying to set up a, a facility to make sure that it's accommodating everybody, it's becomes really obvious where like these, these problems are. And for the people uh, that that aren't in your position that haven't had all these conversations, it's like easy to they see those things yeah. and they go, they don't either they a don't think about it or they go, ah, this is too much of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, but like, it, but like it's easy to just forget. So the, and, and you know, one of the points that you, you brought up is like the emergency, um, uh, locations for you know people seeking yeah. uh, refugee from like the wildfires and stuff. Those oftentimes those places are in like schools or arenas or older buildings yeah. that are meant to like house a, a big uh, part of the population. But the crazy thing is, is that because they've been built at in times when this wasn't even part of the conversation, yeah, then they just they're just inherently just not, not accessible. Yeah. And yeah. so it goes back to the whole like thing in Toronto that like. The simplicity of like that a little that like two gap. inch gap, yeah, which isn't which obviously isn't an excuse for that, but it's one of the things that just it just needs to be yeah, yeah. considered. We, like we need retrofitting, which totally. is which yeah. is expensive, yeah. And I'm not saying that in like a we can't do it because it's an expense. It's expensive. I just mean that when you look, <coughs> it, it's like it's like I'm uh I need we're making a little renovation at the house right now in preparation for having the, our kid, and because of the changes that we're making, I have these like big nineties speakers that are fucking, you know, three feet tall and and a foot wide. And I need to get rid of those to make space. And I need to um, make a change that I'm going, well, I could just replace those speakers and uh, you know, uh, get some cheap set of speakers to bridge the gap to when I'm like ready to spend some money on some more expensive speakers. But like, what are the odds then that I'm actually going to get the the good speakers once I spend money on that? So like once you, once you spend money on making a thing, like the way that you, and, and at scale, like a city, mm-hmm. and then you look back on it and you go, Oh fuck, yeah. it doesn't have this thing that we need. Mm-hmm. And then you go, Oh fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much money is it going to cost to retrofit this city? Yeah to accommodate everybody because we weren't thinking about it when we did it. I think the moral here is that, you know, to, if we want to fix this crisis when it comes to the disabled population, everyone just needs to invest in really good high quality speakers. <laughs> and that's, no, that's just, the important I just part. mean, I mean, future proofing. If you are, if you I'm are talking about you're just relying on the speakers built into this fucking thing, <laughs> yeah. you're a part yeah. of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> you hate disabled people. Yeah. I'm talking about future proofing, about being able to Good look job, at Jay. something and go, what are we doing? What do we want to do? And what are our blind spots in how yeah. we're thinking about doing this thing? I just yeah. want to hear the layers of different instruments in the band 
and be able to really hear yeah. that, yeah. you know, that clarinet bit in the back. Um, we all love Andy Shaw. Green, uh, <laughs> Green went on to say, quote, disabled people who use straws are a very small group, but this ban has a real impact on them while having a minimal actual real impact on the structural effects of climate change and global warming. Uh, he believes it's another example of disabled people being forgotten and left behind. And this is really interesting. The term, quote, eco-ableism is now being used to describe this sort of discrimination. It refers to the failure of decision makers and activists to consider that some environmental actions make life more difficult for people who are living with disabilities, such as removing disabled parking bays to make way for cycle lanes. So again, it's back to that point of like, every decision has a cascading effect and there just needs to be a little bit more forethought into the ways that we're going to try and combat this thing that very likely will, you know, could pose a threat to the entire human race. And um, the entire human race includes people who are disabled. And if we're not including them in those discussions, then, you know, it's a big fuck you to those, those people. So, mm-hmm. um, interesting to have that conversation with, uh, with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Professor Jodan, I'm really, really looking forward to it. He's also a big fan of the show. So should be fun and uh, might even be able to make two episodes out of it because he has uh, MS. So twofer. Yeah. Um, Sweet. Here's a interesting little thing. A little COVID 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 alert. Breaking. This is actually old news, but this is from Rojin from one of our, one of our patrons. She sent this to us on discord on our feel good Friday channel where we've got a bunch of producers in our Patreon community working in the background to, Help keep the show going. Uh, the UK authorizes Merck antiviral pill first shown to treat COVID-19. And I think we had, we were kind of talking about this uh, in terms of Pfizer also. Pfizer also has, a, has one. Yep. Um, Britain granted conditional authorization on Thursday at the time. This was the beginning of the month. Um, to the per- first pill shown to successfully treat COVID-19. This so is the uh, repackaged ivermectin. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, it's also the first country to okay the treatment from drug maker Merck, although it wasn't immediately clear how quickly the pill would be available. The pill was licensed for d- adults 18 and older who tested positive for COVID-19 and have at least one risk factor for developing severe disease, such as obesity and heart disease. Patients with mild to moderate COVID-19 would take four pills of the drug known as molnupiravir. Molnupiravir. Yeah. Twice a day for five days. An antiviral pill that reduces symptoms and speeds recovery could prove groundbreaking, easing caseloads on hospitals and helping to curb outbreaks in poorer countries with fragile health systems. It would also bolster the two-pronged approach to the pandemic treatment by way of medication and prevention, primarily through vaccinations. Uh, Molnupiravir. <laughs> God, it's a fucking mouthful. Pfizer's is, is easy. I'm not, there's, we're not getting. Please tell me it's better than Comirnaty. It's, 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 <laughs> called, it's called Paxlovid. Yeah, there you go. Paxlovid. Comirnavir. It's a little, uh, a little easier to Molnupiravir say. is also pending review with regulators in the US, the U- European Union, and elsewhere. I think Paxlovid is, is now an uh, emergency use Authorized in the U.S., I believe, because oh, yeah. the U.S. just made a big uh, purchase of it. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced last month that we convene a panel of independent experts to cr- scrutinize the pill's safety 
and effectiveness in late November. So around now, uh, initial supplies will be limited. Merrick said it can produce 10 million treatment courses through the end of the year, but much of that supply has already been purchased by governments worldwide. Back in October, UK officials announced they secured 480,000 courses of Molnupivir <laughs> and expected thousands of vulnerable Britons to have access to the treatment uh, this winter. The drug targets an enzyme in the coronavirus uses the drug targets an enzyme the coronavirus uses to reproduce itself, inserting errors into its genetic code that slow its ability to spread and take over human cells. That's so fucking Whoa, crazy. It's like a yeah. computer virus. <laughs> yeah, the genetic activity has led some independent experts to question whether the drug could potentially cause mutations leading to birth defects or tumors. Britain's medicines and healthcare products regulatory agency said Molnupiravir's um, ability to interact with DNA and cause mutations has been studied extensively and that it wasn't found to pose a risk to humans. But, uh, quote, studies in rats showed that Molnupiravir, 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 may cause harmful effects to the unborn offspring although this was at doses which were higher than those that will be given to humans, and these effects were not observed in other animals. This, um, is, a, uh, this is a really, really... Well, so we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're going to talk to... Uh, we're going to have Quadjo back on the podcast at some point in the near future to talk um, yes. sp- specifically about these new therapeutics that are, um, that are you know, helping the, the, to take this pandemic and get rid of it or or take it down to manage it, the manageable level. And, um, I mean, I really, I see a, I see mega benefits for this for a lot of different reasons. First of all, it's not a shot. It's not a needle that somebody has to take. Um, which I mean, just based on that, if you had the vaccine, if the vaccine was available from pill and by shot guarantee, you'd see a higher level of uptake right away. Just from people going, I feel way more comfortable. Now, what if it was a, a, a suppository? That would depend on the person mm. and their comfort with butt play. Yeah. So if you've got a pill, you're definitely going to see an uptake just because of the comfort level. Um, and that's, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. But Second only- of all, you get people that are, um, that this isn't targeting their DNA. It, right. In the way that the vaccines are, or at least, um, Moderna and Pfizer's are so because that's a big thing and not not that it's not that it has much merit but that is a concern or things that people think about is that it's changing my DNA yeah yeah I mean yes and no like that is a concern but also I'm saying that's a thought that's a everything's this whole thing's become so politicized that it's just like like yeah, you know, we, we've got a bunch of fucking ding-dongs out there that are going, eh, COVID, COVID's just for, COVID's for lefty fucking cucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, the, but, there's, but there are plenty of people that are going, yes, I'm no, not going to no. get the vaccine, right. but I think, but yeah. I, I see COVID as a thing that's real. I'm yeah. just not getting a fucking vaccine. Yeah. Right, we, had, we had a listener of the podcast write into us why right. they, they were but, hesitant to get the vaccine. And so you get the pill, and then the, the pill is, now if you've got, I think the pill is going to be the thing that really supplements the segment of the population that is just never going to get the vaccine. But that, do, but that doesn't really help that much. I mean, I could see it having a very minimal it does impact in spreading it, it, because it you're, you're already transmitting the virus before you end up getting the But it's not pill. about transmission. It's about hospitalization. This is also what Quadro is going to talk about. It's about hospitalization and death. Yeah, which, no one which gives will a fuck help. About, no one gives a fuck about the flu being passed around. 
because we manage it. And the and the and I know, but it, it doesn't. But, it kills does a certain it, amount of people, and it hospitalizes a certain amount of people, and that's manageable. Dude, I gotta get my flu and shot. And that's the factor that COVID. The the stat for COVID is how many people are going to the hospital, and how many people are dying. But we also don't know about long COVID. So I mean, like, sure. like even with this, we don't know that that would have any effect on. Well, we know that it's not fifty percent of people who get COVID are getting long COVID. We know that yeah, it's a very how much is it? it's a very very small amount. So like, so it's not, it's not a, it's not a stat that you're like, oh, it's not even 10 or 5%. I don't think, I think it's more like less than 1%. I just think that like, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that like, like talking about it like that, like, oh, well now, now you don't really need to get the vaccine because. No, 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 no. dude, there's people that are never going to get the vaccine. I understand that too. Yes. Yeah. Ever. But, but it, but this isn't an excuse or reason to not get the vaccine. It will be for them. And no, they're not going to get saying, it anyway. But I'm saying that it shouldn't be. They're already not getting it. <laughs> but I'm saying that it shouldn't <laughs> be an excuse. <laughs> they're all, they've already made the choice. They're yeah. not going to but, get the vaccine. But it, don't you see that if, is, if there's a gray area where like, you know, now that there's a therapeutic, then, less, then there will be a portion of people who may have otherwise got vaccinated. But now that there's a therapeutic that they feel better about, they're like, oh, well, I don't need to get vaccinated because I know that if I get COVID... I can take this therapeutic and not die. Sure. And there's probably an argument for that. To to not get vaccinated? Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not saying I that I think that that's the way you should go. But I'm you, saying that... You think that there's an argument. Do you you personally believe that that it's okay then to not get vaccinated in that case? That you would no, you'd take a therapeutic? That's literally what I just said. I do not think. Yeah. But Guys, I, can we be more hard hitting with our guests like this? <laughs> but I think that... <laughs> we, we should, play yeah. more hardball with our guests. <laughs> I'm, I'm <happy laughs> really, to. really push them. I think that... I think that you have two options now. In the best case scenario, you've got a vaccination that's going to severely limit your ability to get COVID and then also to pass it on. That's a huge reason to not to or sorry to have the vaccine. If you're in the camp of people that is and also there's all the things about vaccine, the vaccine waning and booster shots and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of unknowns that are kind of up in the air right now that we just don't have not enough time has passed, we don't really know. Um, although it does seem like even though the, the protection against infection with the vaccine seems to wane, it seems like the protection against severe disease stays high with the vaccine, Mm -hmm. even though you could, you're more likely to get it over time from the vaccine, um, once, or if you have the vaccine. So for the people that don't have the vaccine and have committed themselves psychologically to never getting it because, you know, X, Y, Z reason, whatever that is, not Calgary. Is Calgary XYZ? No. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> I thought that that would be funny. Because Alberta, you know, um, that for anybody who's YYC not is Calgary. Who who any for the people the segment of the population that's not getting the vaccine, which remains about twenty five percent. XYZ it, is Toronto. It's not really going. YYZ. It's not really going anywhere. It doesn't seem like that that per- percentage of the population that's vaccinated is going up is going north at any oh, yeah, fast rate. So for this that segment of the population they will feel like they still have action to not get super sick and die if they get COVID. Mm-hmm. I, I because just that, that is where the problem I, with COVID is right now. I understand what you're saying and I, and I don't disagree with you. I'm, there's just not, it's not like, I don't think that there's a, I, I know that there's a specific part of the population that will never get vaccinated, but there's also a huge swath of people who are, who are, who would prefer not to get vaccinated but with the right 
um, pressures will will end up getting vaccinated, which I believe is a net positive for the entire world and getting rid and mm. and stopping this ending this global pandemic. You know what um, I think? Which which I think that with the therapeutic, I understand. I think the therapeutic is is a great thing. I just think that like I don't think that we should ever talk about it as like a oh like this is this is an option for people who are, who don't want to get vaccinated. It is. But but it it's it's not but it <laughs> You're but coming it, at it from a moral level. You're placing exactly what totally. you think on it. Yes, I, absolutely. You, you have to not think about that. But I'm it's also not about I'm you. also talking about what would be the best based on the science. It's not my opinion. It's it's this is based on the science of what we know. It would be better if people didn't think, "Oh, great, now I don't need to get the vaccine." Of course just, it would be better. That's what I'm saying. But that's not the reality. You're talking about a you're talking about a reality that doesn't exist and that will not exist. I, but it it does exist because there's a it's not it's not black and white. It's not it's not purely anti-vax and purely vax. There's people who feel, you know, like would prefer not to get the vaccine but end up getting it because, you know, they don't feel like there's a a better option for them, which is fine. Dude, case in point is the person that wrote us in and said, "Hey, I'm not anti-vax. I'm pregnant." And I can't even get the vaccine. So when Kyla was pregnant, she got she had the first shot before she was pregnant, and then she couldn't get the second dose for a while because you're not you weren't at the time you weren't it was advised not to have it in the first trimester. So if you, if if in the in that first trimester, if Kyla got COVID and there's a there's a there's a uh, a treatment out there like this, that go, that makes somebody like that go. I feel I feel at ease because the because the vaccine isn't the be all end all to treating COVID. But but you don't think that you don't think that the vaccine like these people end up so the person who wrote us ended up getting vaccinated. You don't think that that's better for the population that they got vaccinated no, if they're you no, think dude, be, no dude of course I think it's better to be vaccinated. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, but if you but if you have a if you took away the vaccine entirely, let's say we never got the vaccine, mm-hmm. and we got to a point where we had these therapeutics, and you got COVID. And it's like you go to the hospital and it's a 98 or whatever fucking percentage is super high percentage that you're going to take this drug and then you're not going to get you're not going to get severely ill and you're not going to die. COVID is a manageable pandemic in the absence of a vaccine with a therapeutic, with a therapeutic that works that way. You know what I think? But it's better to end the spread of it and have a vaccine. It's better to Dude, have a vaccine. You are putting words in my mouth that I have not said. But. What what do you mean? You just you said, keep telling you, you that, keep saying you said that if we if we you know didn't have a vaccine, no, let's just let let us talk about let this it, for let a let it let it let it run hot. You're you're just saying that if we didn't, you just said if we did if we didn't have a vaccine and we had a therapeutic, it would it would be a manageable pandemic, right? But with the vaccine, then it helps us get rid of the pandemic completely. If everybody took it, if everybody took it, yeah, which isn't so. Which the is my entire point is that with the therapeutic, I feel like the part of the people who would otherwise be on the fence and get the vaccine might now just go, oh, well, now I don't need to because I feel comfortable with getting COVID and then treating it. It, it helps. It helps. It helps with the segment. It helps dramatically with the populate the segment of the population that isn't going to get vaccinated. It helps, it helps from, keep people alive. Right. People which is the, that's the only thing that matters. <sighs> that's the only yeah. thing that matters. It's not the only no thing No one gives that matters, a fuck though. about getting COVID if it doesn't kill you. Yeah. What the fuck is COVID if it doesn't kill the, you? The people who get long COVID do. 
Yeah, the people that get long COVID, the extremely, extremely small amount of people that get long COVID. Yeah. If you don't die from COVID, COVID's not a fucking problem. You know do, do you think that it is? If you get if you if COVID doesn't kill anybody, is it a problem? Uh, do you think the flu is a problem? The flu kills people. <laughs> but like, uh, but I, you're saying that COVID would not kill anybody then in that case. <laughs> you guys That's know what a, I think? What, what do you think, Daddy? I think uh, I'm heated. I think Taylor's been listening to too much Joe Rogan. I think so too. I think Brian. <laughs> this has nothing to do with this I, has I, nothing I, to do with I, Joe with I, Joe Rogan. I think Brian. I think Brian's been listening to too much Brene Brown. <laughs> uh, you guys yeah. ready for uh, this week's segment of <gasps> What the Hell? No, let's, let's stay on this topic. Let's do it, oh, Brian. Like Christ. Brian, like can hash this out offline. Um, let's uh, let's hit this. This is uh, this is a little bit uh, this is a little bit silly. Uh, do you guys know what Brazil nuts are? Yes, the worst nut on planet Earth. No, I don't know what they're. You don't? Dude, they taste like dirt. You actually don't know what Brazil nuts are? They're the big nuts where you get in a nut melange that you leave in the bag. Oh. I really, oh. I, I'm not sure, a big I think nut I read, guy. I read this wrong. I thought they were just Brazil, Brazil's men's testicles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're right. No, that, was a, that was a dad joke. <laughs> uh, after eating Brazil nuts two to three hours prior... A man had unprotected intercourse, that's sex, okay. with his 20-year-old partner who had a documented Brazil nut allergy. The woman, super, super deadly if you're allergic to them. Yep. Or they can be. The woman developed, mm-hmm. you know what, I don't know what any of these things are. The woman developed, <laughs> let's look this up, urticaria. Uticaria. Uticaria, what's that? Uh, I thought they were like petechiae, but... Hives, you hives, like uh, red dots on so your So she skin. got hives, oh. she got angioedema. Do you know what that is? No. Angioedema is the, the uh, swelling of beneath uh, swelling of the skin. She had an allergic reaction. And she had dyspnea. You know what that is? Uh, shortness of breath. <laughs> so she got hives, got puffy, and couldn't breathe. <laughs> she had an allergic she reaction. She had what's called an allergic reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy ate Brazil nuts two or three hours prior, goes and has sex with his partner. She has an allergic reaction. To figure out the cause of the hypersensitivity reaction, UK researchers did a skin prick test in the woman, uh, on the woman, in the woman, <laughs> using the boyfriend's semen both before and after eating Brazil nuts. Apparently, some nut protein got into his nut. Nut protein got into his semen. Oh, no. Quote, we believe this to be the first case of a sexually transmitted allergic reaction. Wow. <laughs> the researchers wrote is... in the Journal of Investigational Allergology and Clinical Immunology. Of note, Brazil nuts are the second most frequent nut allergy in the United Kingdom. Unfortunately for science, the couple broke up before the investigators can confirm the results. Quote, our demonstration of allergic Brazil nut protein in the semen clearly proves the ability of such proteins to resist digestion. Additionally, to enter the semen, the protein would require circulation in the blood to the prostate or other reproductive organs. Notably, severe allergic reactions have been demonstrated in those with crustacean allergies uh, following exposure from kissing. Although penicillin exposure leading to allergic reaction could occur secondary to intercourse per the literature. The moral of this study, if you have food allergies, you might want to find out what your partner has recently ate before you 
let them come all over you. That is crazy. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Man, I, she never saw that coming. No. <laughs> Nor did he. But but uh, it, I feel like it's risky anyway, eating that like that far before. I mean, he before, saw it. Because if you just he saw didn't it brush coming. your teeth and then. He saw it coming. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. My guess would be he like, he like, well, I don't know. They broke up and maybe he was an asshole. He saw but like, it. my guess is he ate them. and was like, those are yummy. He oh saw, yeah. My, my girlfriend's allergic. I'm going to brush my teeth, use some mouthwash. Yeah. But they went. He saw it coming. Hey, <laughs> hey, dad over here hey, with the he, jokes. He did, yeah. Isn't that wild? <laughs> so, uh, it. Uh, an I S- guess it makes sense though, because like if, you, S-T-A-R. if you eat like asparagus or pineapple or stuff, doesn't that change like the taste of your... Kind I don't of, know. That's why I, I, I think I that was, might be a myth. Yeah, maybe, that was like I heard that when I was in high school. That I mean, I guess that kind of validates that it's possible. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That is wild. If there's if there's nut protein in it, yeah. it probably tastes. And how nutty. confused would she have been? Because she would have gone, I didn't, I didn't have any nuts. Have yeah. you guys ever had like an allergic reaction to something that you you don't know? Never. You don't know where it came from. Like no. not not like a like maybe you get hives or something. And you're like curious I about thought, where it came I from. I thought that that. Thing that happened to me in Brazil was an allergic reaction and ended up not being. It was just a sunburn. It was just a sunburn. I thought you were going to say the, the ant on the tip of your dick. Yeah. I could have mistaken that. If I didn't see the ant, I would have probably thought it was an allergic reaction because it would have yeah. looked like hives on my dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty interesting stuff there. So That's sexually crazy. transmitted allergic reactions are a thing. Um, wow. Well, folks, this has been fun. An love, hour. Love wow. doing this. Love doing this with y'all. How long did we argue about COVID for? Oh, good 45 minutes there. No, 10 minutes. It was 10 um, minutes. Uh, listen, uh, we love all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love our patrons more than you. Um, but uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow button. And of course, every Friday we are here with these YouTube episodes. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the bell icon so you get notifications every Friday when we put these out. And uh, leave a comment. Leave a comment below. What are your thoughts on this uh, heated debate? Lo- would love to hear your thoughts. Comment uh, below on YouTube. Um, and uh, to- are you Team Taylor? Or are you Team Brian? Or are Let you Team know. Jer? <laughs> right <laughs> in the middle. And yeah, and you're you're definitely going to want to tune into YouTube to see how two people disagree with each other and still uh, remain best friends afterwards. I was um, worried. I was worried this friendship was going to come to an end. And um, and you know if you have uh, if you have a, a story of long COVID. Um, which is very real and uh, apparently very, Actually, very not good. We have a we have a guest who uh, I'm following up with who has long COVID on. right now. Oh, yeah. Let us in, let us know because it, it sounds like a real fucking bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you can you can send us that, or you can slippity slide in the DMs on our Instagram uh, at Sick Boy Podcast, like the or, rest of our sleuths. Yep, mm-hmm. sleuth it, sleuth sleuth it up, or you can uh, send us a letter at letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, sickboypodcast.com slash contact. And uh, to that point, uh, and, you know, we'll make an announcement of this at the top of an uh, upcoming episode. If you've applied to be on the show, we have two, we have over 2000 people on that list. And it, you know, it's, it's very it's, long. It's long. And it's a lot of people to like it's chip long. through. It's long. And, and we've been, we've been it's trying long. to fill our recording slots uh, as we approach the holidays uh, to get us kind of chugging along for the, for the new year. <clears throat> and there's been a num- number of people that I've reached out to who have been like, oh, you know what? Like on second thought, um, things have changed in my life and I, I don't feel like it's, it, I would be valuable on the show anymore or, um, you know, whatever reason. So if you've applied in the past, um, reapply, just, just go on, reapply. It'll be fresh at the top. We'll see it. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. 
And if you have been thinking about applying but haven't done it yet, here's your push. Go on over to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. Fill out the future guest form. We'd love to have you on. Yes. And uh, if you haven't been watching on YouTube, uh, you should head over to YouTube and you can see the new addition to our set. We got some in. We're not going to tell you what it is, but it's uh, it's really sweet. And it's uh, sitting right here behind. <laughs> Pretty sick. Uh, and, uh, and as always, thank you to the people who make this show happen. Thanks to our manager, Jeff Lonis, um, to Rich O'Coin for the theme music, to, to Donovan for the work that he does editing the show on uh on mondays and uh yeah thanks everybody else that is it for this week i'm brian i'm taylor and i'm jeremy and this is sick boy For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.